What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Breaking Ground Podcast. I'm Mike Gregg, and I am your host. Today, we have Dave Huffman with us. Dave owns DNW Excavation out of Hillsborough in the great state of Ohio. Dave, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Mike. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for making time to be here. We appreciate it. Uh, Dave reached out when I was uh, looking for some interesting people to interview for the podcast, and Dave is an interesting guy. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Dave, I'm just on your Facebook page here. Looks like you've got some, uh, got a few different machines. You got a lot of stuff going on. Would you take a minute and just tell us a little bit about your business and, uh, you know, what what year you started and kind of what you're up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually started in 2020 officially um we do primarily um septic water utilities footers um we also we we go in with uh, a lot of different epa um projects that we bid on and some uh farm assistant programs that we do um, whether it be land clearing, waterways, or uh, land development for agriculture purposes. We've got um, a Takahuchi TB290 excavator now, um, also running a Takahuchi TL8. I'm really, really pleased with the Takahuchi machines. Um, we've got a trencher, and then at any given time, we normally have a couple different dump trucks. Um, so we're kind of like a scattered fleet. We we do a lot of residential, some commercial, um, primarily a lot of septic and land clearing, land development. Um, that's what we primarily do in this area. And then a good bit of ag um, related stuff because we're in such a rural market. But we started in 2020 and, um, you know, I guess to give you some background before we get into more questions, I, I built highways for years. Um, for a large outfit and then uh due to i guess just being gone all the time and then starting a life having kids and a family which i'm sure you can understand uh we we just decided to give it a go so i got laid off one november i flew to new york bought my first piece of equipment and we never looked back good for you i remember getting laid off uh, back when I was working for a big unionized company and almost getting there. I never quite did go out and buy my own machine, but I remember having that thought. <laughs> Just, I can't stand being laid off. It was every winter for a long time. So I don't, I don't, I don't mind the layoff. Um, it's a different animal now that you've worked for yourself. I can say, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you remember the union days you, you worked uh and he worked the life out of you in the summer because that's your that's your life expectancy there and then in the winter uh i used to look really forward to to setting us home and getting to do different things hanging out with my dad and deer hunting and fishing and um i'm never idle but uh these days being mm -hmm. self-employed and you uh you cringe when the weather starts you know getting a little slower you do your best to, to budget and save money but you you always want to keep pushing forward and forward and forward and that becomes very limiting um down here rain snow ice all that everything's got a season so I, if there was anything i could say to anybody that's listening or starting it would be save your money in june because you will need it in january mm. yeah that makes sense now You've got a number of pieces of equipment. I'm just looking at your Facebook here page here. You've got a couple machines and uh, a dump truck and a trailer. And could you kind of just give us a walkthrough of how you ended up with the machines you have? You said you started with one single machine. Uh, was that the Takuchi that I see here? No, actually, um, <laughs> we started out with a, man, an old, <laughs> I forgot even had his truck. Started out with this old international single axle dump truck. It was a state truck that might go 50 mile an hour. I mean, just it, it was a it was a good truck, good starter truck. We started with it, and I bought a it was a Bobcat S650. It was a rubber tired machine. I remember, um, man, it had 
thousands of hours on it. Uh, remember, I bought it for for ten thousand dollars, and uh, I think I gave like four thousand dollars to the dump truck. And um, we had those. I had those when I was part time, and uh, you know, working unionized, and then working for myself. And um, when we really, when we really dove into to buying our the company buying its very first piece of equipment. That was a John Deere 50G, a 2017 sweet little machine. Oh, they're nice. Um, I remember, yeah, I, I remember uh, it was right, it was December 31st, New Year's Eve. And uh, I found it on, on the internet. A guy up in New York, man, was a great guy to deal with. I, I won't mention his name, but uh it's got a large company up there i found this machine it was a stellar deal i booked a plane i said look i'll give you i'll give you what you're asking for it it was ten thousand dollars under under any dealer value i said but i need two days to go to the bank i said they're closed so january 2nd i went and signed papers and then uh january the night of january 2nd i was on an airplane and flew to new york got a rental car and uh you know tested it out handed him the check scheduled the shipper and i think we spent thirty thousand dollars on that machine and um it didn't have no hours but i remember when you say tell us about it starting but i remember the second that i spent that thirty thousand dollars when it pulled in the driveway it was like an aha moment it's like okay now now you actually have to do it. You know what I mean? The other equipment was paid for and it was rough equipment. But now it's like you've got this nice piece of machinery. Now, if you're going to feed your family on this, if you're, if you're going to walk away, you know, I was making ninety dollars to $100,000 a year. Um, I was very, very blessed. And um, mm. I just remember when that machine pulled in the driveway, um, my wife and I went out, uh, she was still pregnant. And, uh, I just remember that moment. I'll never forget that moment. Just standing in that garage with my wife, which is my man. She's an awesome support. And, uh, I, I just remember looking at her and saying, okay, now I got to do it. And we've been blessed. I, I don't, I can't, I just, I worked local and, uh, we've been very blessed. Mm. That's cool. It's interesting that you mentioned your wife. The last interview we did uh, was with a fellow named Ron Bilo, and uh, we actually had uh, his wife Leanne on as well. That's just coming out in a couple days from the time that this is being recorded. So I thought it was an interesting dynamic to kind of have the other side of it, you know, the other side of the business, uh, a bit of a different perspective. But yeah, so you you had the old uh, you had the old junk. Was the was the skid steer? Was it your old equipment? Sounds like was it was it rough or I was just wore out. I mean, it had been ran. Um, that international I found on Craigslist, actually. Uh, that dump truck I found on Craigslist. It drove down. I remember uh, I took my dad. I always take my dad on these adventures. And uh, I was like, look, we got to go look at the dump truck. It's two and a half hours away. And uh, my dad, my dad and my wife, Actually, my whole family is really, it's a really good support system. So I think that's mm -hmm. important to have. I, I will say that. But um, it, uh, I remember we, that old international, I drove it up the road and I was like, I, I mean, I'm, you know, at the time I'm in my late 20s, but I still have that need for, for speed. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to go 55. I want to go 70. And uh, <laughs> I got in this old dump truck and, uh, you know, I mean, I, to the floor, 50 mile an hour, and it was just honing. And I said, well, it, you know, it's what I can afford, um, so we're going to buy it. And I remember driving two and a half hours home, probably took three and a half with that truck going 50. Um, and uh, I just remember that old ragged out thing, just leaking oil and, and running 50 mile an hour. And then, yeah, I got it home, actually, and every now and then you get it caught in between like two gears. So I used to pack a toolbox with me. If you were trying to go real fast shifting, which is just habit, 
yeah. in that old dump truck, it would hang up. So you'd you'd have to crawl underneath and take the shifting uh, the shifting tower off of it and take a pry bar. You know, I mean, it's just you just woke up and fought every day. A lot of times those old, those old machines though, you know, if you can make money with that and do a good job with an old sloppy machine like that, you know, I don't get it twisted. It's the guys who can run the old stuff that, uh, you know, it's got slop and the boom and nothing works properly. Those are the guys who, those are the real ones. You know, those, those are the guys who a, a new machine's a luxury to them, not a, not a necessity. Well, I tell you that, that John Deere, uh, you know, to to go from you know we went from that international we actually grew at such a rampant rate um and and i can say um you know uh, i won't i won't mesh too much on uh what different people believe in karma and all that stuff but i do know that every every chance we get the opportunity to help somebody and do something right uh man it just comes back sevenfold and you know those i've had opportunities to to you know scout people on a job just because they didn't know and 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 we go in and we're just honest and and don't make all the money that we can make off of one person and i really attribute that to our success rate i mean because we would go in and and we had that old junky equipment so we could do it for less money um because my overhead was so much lower um but you know, continuing to use that old equipment and doing the right thing, man, we just skyrocketed. Mm. I mean, I went from it to, to an international, or uh, yeah, it, no, I'm sorry, we went from it to a bigger Ford dump truck, um, and then got a, a larger equipment trailer. I got my CDLs, and then we went in. You know, I, at one point I had two, um, a Kenworth and a. Uh, western star six axle dump trucks running and uh man it just it was a wild ride for a little while mm. <laughs> um, you know and, and it doesn't i i think that if i could say anything you know if any if you're humble enough to to start with that old equipment like you said those guys are the the guys that can really see it through but i think if you just bite your time a little bit in that area the next thing you know you wake up and you've got newer equipment and you've got the work to obtain that newer equipment I yeah think. And I, i'm just looking yeah we'll get into that in a sec here i'm just looking at some of the pictures on your facebook page so this trencher tell me a little bit about that i i don't think i've ever seen uh it's it's at a bit of a distance but it just looks like a giant chainsaw blade attached to a lawn tractor like is is that kind of what it is like is it just a ride-on machine for trenching out yeah. water lines or we, we have a lot of rock where i live so you don't see a lot of that type of thing mm, so i'm glad you asked about the trencher because uh, everybody thinks i'm crazy that's one of my favorite machines um because it's a one-stop shop you know we put in a lot of water line um and a lot of discharge line and um curtain drains so okay. down here we have we have a good bit of rock but often um the trenching is shallow enough that you stay up out of the rock when we get into large rock we um we do have to jackhammer some um and we can get into that more but that trencher i remember uh the first one i had was gear driven so it just it's like a you know it had a clutch and gear shifter and you could pick speed mm -hmm. uh it had it had zero brakes on it so it was terrible to drive you know we live in a hilly area so uh some you know the last the last time i operated one that was gear driven was actually a good friend of mine and uh, i i took it off a mountainside on two wheels you can ask my guy it's, it's over here but so we upgraded nice. and bought that one long story short um and that's a hydrostatic machine bobcat goes four foot deep in the ground and i just i love that machine for one um it's probably one of the most profitable machines i own simply because when you start with it you know we've done a thousand foot run of water line so sorry about that we were in the middle of talking about dave's trencher and something went wonky with my headset so let's carry that on um you've you've got the trencher uh you had one that was gear driven and this one's hydrostatic so tell us a bit about this one 
Yeah, so this one was, uh, I would recommend, for one, if anybody's going to do it, have a hydrostatic one. Um, but back to uh, it being my favorite machine, just I like the ability to, um, you know, so often we, we go out to a job, and most generally, any time that we have the excavator out, we have to skid steer follow, you know, cleaning up messes and, and all that stuff. But with the trencher, essentially, you know, we trenched a thousand foot water line, took us, let's say four hours. I think it took us four or five hours trenching in thousand foot run. So while I'm trenching, the guys are getting the pipe ready. Everybody's, you know, on board. It's a pretty slow process, but then when, when the time comes to, to do the work, it's, it's immediate. So everybody's getting their stuff together. They know the fittings, the connections and all that stuff that they got to do. So we got about five hours in. Well, then the guys drop the pipe in the ground. Well, as soon as the pipe's in the ground, you know, that, that trencher has a blade on the front. Um, it's a six-way blade. So I go over. Oh, you can backfill with I, it. Yeah. So oh, I literally okay. just run, I run back the other end. And while the guys are putting the pipe in the ground and the connections, we don't need anything else. I mean, you just take that machine and you can pull in with two guys and, and, and you know, it, it's very profitable if you have long runs. You if know, you have the right uh, type of work, yeah. Yeah. But and, I just, and what is it? What does it do the, for width and, and depth? So that one, they make them large scale, but that one right there will run um, four feet down. And I think I have the teeth set up on it to trench eight inches wide right now because we will put in some six inch wide or some six inch. Um, pipe sometimes the time with it um and like i said the you can i mean you know there's guys that put in sealed tile up here you know you can get those trenchers um they're pretty prevalent around here for for putting in large amounts of water line or when we would put um drainage underneath the highways we had a vermeer uh track machine which was like a big dozer with it didn't have a blade on it or anything just a trenching attachment but you know you could go seven foot deep if you wanted to with it and it would it was running a uh i think a 12 or 16 inch wide ditch so a lot of times guys down here will um you know the our area is so rural and so hilly and then we have junk soil that will retain water um so a lot of times you'll see those trenchers this time of year in the fall once the crops are gone and we get a hard freeze, those guys that have those large plows or large trenchers will go in and put five or 6,000 foot of field tile in in a day um, to try to eliminate some of the water and, and get the water dispersing down into the waterways. Mm. Mm. So it's very handy. And you can, you, you, yeah. so you can pack fill it using the blade. You get a six-way blade. And then do you just kind of run a, uh, like a plate compactor over it after that? Or how do you, how do you finish it off? Actually, so what we do, um, drop a tire in the hole and go for a ride. (laughs) That's normally what happens. Well, because, because of that six way blade that allows us to angle it and angle it up. So what we do is I actually backfill it and it has like a little bit of a pyramid, if you will, over top of the ditch. And then, yeah, so we'll track it in a little bit, but then, you know, I was just out of the job that we've done three months ago, I think it was 1300 feet of water line. And literally that method of leaving it piled up. Um, and the other thing is, is when you're in good soil with that trencher, you don't have to worry about having a different type of material to backfill. It turns the dirt into so much powder um, that they, they consider it a clean fill. So, um, you know, you backfill with that and then you leave a little bit of a hump up, run your tire over. And then, like I said, I went back, just the other day and that job was done four months ago and, and it's flat. I mean, there's grass growing on it and, you know, there might be a divot here and there, but uh, essentially for, for the consumer and us as a contractor, you know, once we put it in the ground and cover it up and throw some seed on it, I mean, it's done. So that's Interesting. lovely about that item. Well, I like that. Thanks for telling us about the, uh, the trencher. I don't think I've had anybody on who's, uh, we haven't chatted about one anyway. I suppose it's possible that somebody owned one, but um, let's uh, let's go back to 2020. You got laid off. You got the um, 
the early uh, equipment. Um, how did you get your first few jobs? So you're, you're standing there going, I'm not going to go back to work. Where do you start? Are you calling around? Do you have friends or family? Are you advertising? How, how are you getting the work? Well, um, I can say um, to start in 2020. Um, well, for one, we just started praying. I can tell you that. Um, we just started praying, and then, you know, uh, I'm pretty I'm, – I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but, I mean, I've, I've always been pretty likable. I've made a lot of connections, uh, done a lot of things, um, growing up relatively humble. Um, you know, I had a lot of different jobs and a lot of different exposure to different people. So when I said, hey, I'm going to do my own thing, and word kind of got around – uh, and then we launched the Facebook page. Um, it just seemed to take off. I remember I can I can still drive you to the very first job we ever done. Uh, my dad and I actually done it together. I had to put in a driveway culvert, and I put in uh, 200 feet of water line that had to go through a basement uh, wall. We had the hammer drill through a wall, and I just remember when I got that first call. Um, my, it was like 10 minutes from the house and I didn't know the people, but they said they'd seen our Facebook page and then they weren't from the area, but had asked a couple people that they had met along the way. And, um, you know, just from, I think just from being a decent human being most of my life there, uh, I just came highly referred. And then from there, uh, I started talking to older excavators, um, you know, contractors that we knew. And said, "Hey, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'd like to do." And you know, they they were wanting to retire and slow down, so they were like, "Hey, we'll give your number out as long as you will show up." You know, I had a I had no excavating contractor that we do a lot of work with, and he mm -hmm. said, "I'm going to retire, and I want to put somebody's name in the hat, but you got to show up." And uh, I said, "No problem." And so from there, I just think <clears throat> I think networking, having the Facebook page is good. Don't get me wrong. But we don't really work in a city dynamics. You know, I think I graduated with maybe 60 people. So when, when everybody says everybody knows everybody, that's a fact. Um, you know, and somebody might say, well, that's old man, you know, Huffman's grandson. You know, he does good work. And, you know, oh, I, I graduated with his uncle. Or, you know, me and his grandpa played ball together. I think that's kind of how DNW really started. It's just a lot of referrals, a lot of hustle, and just getting your name out. You know, anytime I, I would do jobs that didn't make very much money just to do this so I could take a picture so that I could put it on the Internet, so that I could show somebody. And that way other people could see me out and about also. You know what I mean? There was that exposure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when, you, when you start a company and then all of a sudden people see you everywhere, you, you know, numbers aside, um, then, then everybody starts talking. Well, I just seen him. He was over on Water Street, and now he's now he's over in you know in this town, and you know he must be doing good. Maybe I'll give him a call. And um, I can say too. Um, also, what really grew in 2020, we have relationships with uh, a septic pumping company. A really good friend of mine owns it, um, and all they do is septic pumping. They don't do any repairs or anything. They're just a pumper. And him and I had done some real estate deals together. And uh, I said, look, if you get anything where, you, where people call you and, and need help or different things like that, send them my way. And that really uh, attributed to part of our success of getting our name out because these people are calling, hey, I've got this that needs fixed. And they're calling these people because that's the – that's the that's where you start you know your septic's overflowing it needs pumps they're going to be the first guys on the job no doubt about mm -hmm. it well the next the next thing out of their mouth was hey dnw excavation we have a we have a tight working uh relationship with them and if there's anybody i would recommend it's them and we're the only people that they recommend and we work hand in hand with them so if i could encourage anybody in the future it, it's business relations i feel are key um, they really helped us get going, um, you know, and 
it's it's been a blessing. I look back now that we're talking about it, I can just think of so many different times where I was like, man, where's my next job going to be or what's it going to be? And and I can just think back. So often you get so busy with the, the hustle and the bustle. You, I won't say you forget where you came from, but you look back and you're like, oh, that referral led me to this and this referral led here. And then their their grandparents wanted me to do this because they've seen that I do good work. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's exciting to think back on really. Referrals are I mean, I've heard from a lot of people that referrals are the best type of clients. And I found that in my business too, because when, when somebody is referred to you, their, their first consideration is automatically not the price, right? Their first consideration is you're trusted. Somebody that I trust, trusts you. So that's the, that's the biggest deal. And then price becomes secondary versus I think with a lot of, um, you know, contacts that I get and with other people I've talked to, it's kind of, you know, if it comes in online, a lot of times it can be kind of what's the price, what's the price. But when, when you get a referral, it's like, you know, there's immediately trust established. And I think that raises the ceiling for what somebody might be willing to pay for a job, you know? Well, and I think that you nailed it right there, Mike, me personally, um, just because, you know, I think so many times on jobs that we've done, it's scary. Um, uh, you know, because I mean, I I grew up. We didn't have a lot. There wasn't a lot of money that we could spend on paying somebody to do a service. You know what I mean? Um, and and that's fine. But you know, then I think about referrals. So many times I've been called out to a job, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to do this," and I'm like, "Okay, I'll get you a bid, and we'll be out." And they're like, "No, no, no! Bring your excavator, bring the materials, and do this job." And I'm like, "Don't you want no?" We want you. And I'm like, okay, so you're not going to quote shop me. You're not going to no. We got told that you do good work, that you show up in a timely manner. You do what you say you're going to do. That's what we're paying for. That's the line item that we want. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, so often I think that the referrals, like you said, that, and you get into a point too to where people that trust you, you know, the, the nice thing about referrals too is you know you you get people that kind of know what stuff costs because you do so much business with other people somebody knows that say this job's probably going to be a few thousand dollars well they also don't refer you to somebody who isn't going to be able to afford if you will the yeah the cost of that job you know what i mean and so you have a lot of people kind of saving you at the same time you know we get some calls Where, where people are still stuck in 1950. I'm not beating down on the older generation. I understand uh, the things that used to cost five thousand now cost fifteen. Um, so you get a lot of people that you know they don't refer you if they don't feel comfortable that that customer is going to work with you and and take the time to appreciate you the way that they do. So yeah, you you said something that was interesting to me. You said when we grew up, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I grew up without much money you know we always had food and stuff but you know we lived in subsidized house we never had a whole lot and um i wonder if i can feel sometimes when i charge you know a a good rate for what i'm doing sometimes you know when it's the bill comes in it's big and it's like you kind of get that oh you feel weird about about making it you know about earning a good living because uh do you get that at all do you kind of know what i'm saying yeah, so I mean, I guess you know, I'm sure my dad's gonna hear this podcast, so I I won't, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say, oh, well, we, you know, we had to split a piece of hay and it wasn't that bad, but tread lightly, you know, Dave. Dad's listening. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I won't say. Uh, I always my needs were always met, and I had a, a great childhood. My grandparents were involved, um, and you know, top notch childhood. I didn't know at the time that there was things that maybe we couldn't afford or that we couldn't do within retrospect, um, you know, because my parents took care of me. Um, so, but I also, to, before I answer your question, you know, everybody always asks me and I can say this and I'll give this credit to dad, but everybody says, how do you know how to do so much stuff? Well, we didn't have the money to pay a plumber. 
if a water line broke on our house trailer, me and dad had to lay underneath the house trailer with torpedo heaters and, and, and glue fittings back together. And yeah. it's, you know, dad cut timber and different things like that. And he was all, my dad's very mechanically inclined. There's nothing he can't fix and there's nobody he wouldn't help. So that definitely carried on to me. So I'm very thankful for that. But, um, yeah, you know, I talk to my dad sometimes and I tell him, you know, dad will say, Hey, how are you doing? And I don't brag, but I'm like, Hey dad, we made you know, a few thousand dollars on this job. And my dad's like, you know, mm. proud of, him. you know, you, he's like, and I say, well, you know, we've been blessed and I, Dad calls it poor mouth, so he calls it. You know, he's like, and he's, well, and he's know, still got 1950s prices in his head. So he's like, how many hours did you work at 1260 an hour to make a couple thousand dollars? <laughs> so he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he calls it poor mouth. And when I get to sounding like Eeyore about making a couple thousand dollars, you know, and dad's like, you know what? He's like, you can attribute your success to you. He's like, there's nothing wrong with being humble about, you know, the good Lord taking care of you. But you went out and you made that happen. You answered the phone. You dug the ditch. You stayed till dark. You sacrificed your time. Your wife put in the hours beside you to make sure the kids were bathed and fed. He's like, you done that. So don't ever feel like making a good living is something to, you know, uh, I guess kind of skulk at or because you're not a millionaire overnight to, to skulk at or anything like that um, because I'm with you. There are times where you get that, that big invoice that you land and you're just like, that's literally, I told somebody the other day growing up throwing hay, I thought it was a big deal to make $200 a week. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to raise a family on this one day. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was the perspective. And now there's so much work and so short a workforce, you can go out and almost make two thousand dollars a day. Oh and yeah, two hundred bucks somebody, is like a third of a trip to Costco now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I went to the grocery store and I told my wife, I said, "Do you spend this every week?" I was like, well, "These kids need to get humble. You know, we need to eat some rice." Um, and uh, you know, but in reality. I just look at it sometimes when those big invoices come in and, and we had a, a really good month in October. And sure. I said, you know, I, I never realized, I thought it was doing good to make $900 a month. And when I get the profit loss margin and all that stuff, and I see that we maybe had a month that was over $10,000. Now, of course you got to pay your taxes and all that stuff on it. Fine. But when you see that number, you're just like, I never imagined, I never fathomed, mm. you know, because you growing up, I mean, I, there was years I made $10,000 in a year. And now we have months where we'll gross that, you know, or, or more. And, and you're like, this is un unbelievable. Well, I, I like your dad. I'm going to remind myself not to be such an Eeyore sometimes. And since he can fix anything, uh, if you guys ever get up this way up to Canada, I got a F-150 with a sunroof that leaks and I can't figure it out. So <laughs> send, a, send them my way. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I'm not saying his methods are foolproof now. It's going to be sick of flex on the roof. <laughs> what do you want? It doesn't leak. <laughs> I'll tell on him. I'll tell you this. Just the customers will get a kick out of this. I'm sure the, the the listeners there. But I remember bad cutting timber, and the truck that he drove didn't have heat. And my dad is a is a worker, and uh, but the truck he had an F one fifty, old eighties model F one fifty, that didn't have heat. Um, oh, heat. Okay. So we would <laughs> dad would dad would go out in the morning. And light non-scented candles, and put them in the dash underneath the windshield, so that it would keep defrost. And uh, you know, Dad always said he said yeah, you can stay warm in the cab of a truck with two two manila candles. You know, and he was right. Uh, we drove that thing forever, but yeah, Dad always had a candle in the dash for a long time with that thing. Well, if there's ever so, any kind of apocalypse, you guys are going to be just fine. It sounds like. Um, so I think, 
and, and I'll just say this quickly, but I think I think seeing somebody willing to make make it happen for his family, um, and both my parents worked, but but you know I had a lot of exposure to my dad because I'm his son, but seeing somebody that willing to go to that depth to make sure that we had food on the table in instilled a work ethic in me that's unmatched that mm. i mean i'm not saying that that i can't be outworked but i'm just saying that i've seen what my father was willing to go through to make sure that i was fed and i think about that every day when i leave the door every day mm. when i leave the house so that's cool yeah. you got a lot of respect for your dad i hope he i hope he hears this um I want to kind of push us along a little bit here. Um, yeah, so we're three plus years into this thing. Where is your work coming from uh, now this year? Where are you getting the majority of work? Is it still that referral? Um, is it Facebook? Is it uh, your your uh, septic pumping friend? How, where's where's most of the work coming in from? I'll tell you, just three years in, the Facebook page um, has 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 been awesome for us um you know I, i'm not very big on social media um as far as my platform but um there's a lot of people that have referred us that are friends with us that they they pull that out on their cell phone and they say hey look at the job they just done and you know all these things um mm. three years in i'll be honest with you we've been so busy mike it's hard to keep track of where it comes from it just seems to keep coming uh, you know, we get referrals. We heard about you on Facebook. You're uh, you're a listed installer in the county. Um, man, there's just it just seems like every time the phone rings, and I try, I really do try um, to make sure that I ask those people how they heard about it because I want to know. I want you know I want to I want to be humble enough to to call. You know, hey, your dad told us about you. I want to call my dad and say thank you. Uh, hey, the the health department, you know, gave us a list. Okay, awesome. Or hey, you know, producers, they they told us about you. I want to. I don't want to be busy enough or not humble enough that I don't take a step and make sure that after I get off that phone call that I don't call those people that referred us and say, hey, thank you. You know, because without them. Maybe my my kids don't eat as well this week, or or maybe it's a little tighter to pay my bills. So three years in, man, it just keeps coming, and it comes from all directions. But that's this, that's really important to uh, to take the time to do that because you want those referrals to keep coming in, right? I I actually just got a a, a decent uh, project that was a referral from somebody who I, I don't know him personally. I know him through a couple Facebook groups, but I've been on his podcast actually. And he sent me, referred a guy to me and he needed a website and it turned into a project. And I, you know, we built it out and we're delivering it now. And I, it just occurred to me, I thought I gotta, I gotta say thanks to this guy. Like, you know, he just kind of sent it over and there was no big deal. You know, this guy's going to contact you. So I wrote him and I said, Hey, this turned into a project and you know, we're a small business and we really appreciate it. I just wanted to make sure you know that, uh, that we really appreciate the referral and thank you so much for that. And I think that goes a long way. Well, I think that too, um, I, I mean, we won't stay hung up on it, but but I, I do think that, um, I think that taking that extra step to say, hey, thank you, um, is, a, is a reminder in those people's heads. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not saying say thank you just to make sure that they keep referring you, but, but I know there's a lot of people that I refer because when they, get done with that call they call me and they say hey thanks for sending those guys our way well when another contractor that does the same stuff they do um you know that i could easily refer but you know maybe they're not as cordial on the phone or or, or maybe they're just not as polite or, or different things like that i remember those times that somebody appreciated me enough to go out of their way to say hey thanks for landing that job and i think that that goes a long way on protecting your business that mm -hmm. when you know, producers, there's, there's probably 15, 20 excavating contractors within a 25 mile radius of us. And, um, I'm the only one ever heard. And mm. I think that that goes, you know, they could say, Hey, they could, they could pull a different business card out of the pot every time that the phone rings, but they don't. 
Yeah. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. I really do. It goes both ways too. I'm just remembering as we're talking about this, that there's a, a guy who does video here locally to me and I've um, both hired him for projects for us and uh, referred work to him. And he's a super great guy. He does awesome work, but uh, I referred him to a client that he's been working for ongoing and it looks like it's going to be kind of an ongoing thing and never said thanks, you know, never, uh, <laughs> really appreciate that. Thanks so much. And I like, you know, it, it kind of annoyed me. I, I, you know, I like the guy and oh, geez, he's probably gonna listen to this one day, but anyway, I just thought, you know, it, it wouldn't have killed him to just say, Hey, I really appreciate that. Thanks. So I, I think people do notice well, stuff like that. And I do think the little things matter. Absolutely. And I think that, um, I just think that that also goes back to the simplest form of what you were taught as a kid. Also, you know, the first thing that I was taught as a kid, Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. Please. You know, that that was like the learning terms. And I don't think that uh, when I get to 70, you know, or 30 years in business, that those are things that I should decide to go away with. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, it does kind of register in your mind. That always says something that that I imply, too. Is you you got to be willing to do what's right when others won't. So it doesn't matter if that guy didn't say thank you. You know it can bother you. There's nothing wrong with that. But from this point forward, maybe you're like, you know what? He didn't necessarily. He doesn't really appreciate what we've been doing for him anymore. So yeah, it's time to change lanes. And mm. so even if somebody else is wrong in you, you got to continue to. To, to be right and, and you know and, and judging by your moral compass and your business compass and different things like that so when it's going awry and i've had it happen there's been times where i've been upset i've wanted to to knock customers over with excavators so i mean just mad at the world and i've, I've called my dad and he's like look son i understand but the end is near here do what's right take your licking and then from this point forward, you don't have to work for them anymore. You know, he's like, yeah. but don't let them have the opportunity to say, well, things went sour and B&W, they just, they just quit on me and didn't do a good job. That's like, don't risk your reputation. Just, well, if you ever do decide right. to punt one of these guys with a machine, make, make sure you get it on video. I'd love to see it. <laughs> but, but, but I do think that's a big thing, you know, it's protecting yeah. yourself and doing what's right because even then, you know, it normally comes back where people are like, well, that job was really screwed up and B&W had to pay a couple thousand extra dollars. They lost money, but they'd done that job right. They'd done what was right. Yeah. And that gets us worse. So, <clears throat> so what have been kind of your biggest challenges in growing this thing? Um, you're, you know, you've labor. come a long way. You've got lots of work. You're having good. Your labor is the biggest one. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Ten out of ten. I think that everybody's experiencing. Um, there's just in the early two thousands, when um, when Dad was in business for himself, uh, him and I had actually just talked about this, and I was actually talking to him and about three other contractors. In the early two thousands, the hardest thing to come by, I believe, was money. There was a there was a you know in the early two thousands, you could shake a stick and find three guys ready to go dig with a shovel mm -hmm. or a pickaxe. It was a different generation. Uh, fast forward to 2023, uh, there's a massive influx of money and a shortage of labor. Um, you know, that's why everybody's like, oh, I can't believe, where's all this money coming from? I think the money's always been there. But I talked to a lady the other day that's had four contractors that she's tried to reach out to that haven't even called her back. And she's a 70-year-old lady with no water. Um, she's been out of water for like three months. And uh, she's got a well and a cistern issue. But labor, I mean, it's just killer. And everybody you talk to, it's like, hey, I, I can book 10 jobs tomorrow. And I can make $5,000 a piece on these jobs. But I don't have another son of a gun to get in the truck with me to run a kid's steer, to, to hold the grade rod. And I think that you see that today. And, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you pay. You know, guys are guys are walking on to jobs with no experience, no training. I know that you remember the unionized days of uh, 
you know, you you didn't stay green long or you went down the road. There wasn't yeah. there wasn't time for somebody to babysit you. Well now you gotta pay somebody twenty now I understand the inflation rate is a big deal. Uh, and I mean we won't get into that, but you gotta pay somebody twenty to twenty five dollars an hour and pass a pulse and put in the truck in drive, you're really limited on what you're gonna get. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been very blessed that I've got two guys that work for me that we pay a fair wage. They're good guys. They show up early. They'll work late. Um, you have the typical employee employer thing, but uh, the one guy's known me since I was in, well, both of them have known me since I was in diapers. Uh, so it's a really great dynamic, but it took three years to get those two guys. The first two years, there wasn't enough work to justify. I mean, I would have some day labor help here and there. But since we've grown in year three and really kind of skyrocketed up, um, getting somebody, you know, we used to have trucks and used to do a good bit of trucking. You know, paying truck drivers 30 plus dollars an hour. I had one really good truck driver, one of my best friends growing up. He was stellar. And, uh, you know, finding somebody else to get into that second truck was a nightmare. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we got. I mean, just everybody you talk to is like, hey, you know anybody that wants to work? No, if I did, I'd hire them. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, if I knew somebody that was willing to show up work, uh, I'd just put them to work. Because uh, it, and, and I think that any in this area, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in this area, I bet you can go to 15 contractors and say, ask them the same question. And I think they're the same thing as labor. Yeah, I just see it. There's trucking companies with trucks parked. There's uh, excavating companies with a machine that have to set at the house because there ain't another person to run it. There's a boss that's worked 25 years that all of a sudden is now back in the ditch because he cannot fulfill the needs of the labor. And it's just it's very prevalent down here. That's kind of the story everywhere. Uh, up where I'm at too, it's labor. You can't find people. I, mean, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if there's just more work now or if it's like gig economy things like skip the dishes and Uber's got everybody kind of doing their own thing now. I I don't know, but it, it's, it's universal. It's hard to find people everywhere you go. Um, well, glad. yeah, I mean, it's just tough. Yeah. What, what, uh, what are your goals with this thing? Uh, you're three years in, um, you, you know, you've got young kids, so you're probably relatively young. Uh, where are you going to be in 10 years, 20 years? Are you going big, multinational, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, or are you staying small and doing the the kind of hometown service thing? That feels like a little bit more your uh, your MO to me. What, but what are your goals? What, what are you hoping to get to? Well, I know that when I was working big union company, we had to drive an hour and a half one way to work. Mm-hmm. And I done it for years. And I mean, done it for eight, 10 years. And when I started my company, I was like, look, I don't want to have to drive to the city no more. I don't want to have to drive 90 miles one way to make a living. And uh, I think for us, I think that's, I think that's the goal is if I, I'll take it as far as the good Lord will let me take it. I mean, but I don't want to grow to the point to where I'm not humble. I don't want to grow to the point to where my service uh, lacks because of the amount of volume that we're doing. And yeah. I don't want to grow. I don't want to grow to the point <clears throat> which we kind of tear on it now. I know it's crazy. Well, I mean, if you talk to my wife, I'm never home. But uh, I don't want to grow to the point that the whole reason I started this is so that I could see my kids raised. So that I could take them to work with me, so that they could get work ethic instilled in them. And you know, I think for me, I think that honestly, I think I've met my goal. But I think more now it's about maintaining. If we're being honest, I think that I set a realistic mm-hmm. goal. And uh, you know, I can say to anybody, you determine what your success is. You, you know. Don't look at social media. Don't look at the rest of the world. Uh, I don't think that this question is a bad question, Mike, so don't think that I'm beating you down for it. But I think that 
that the amount of success that I was worried about or trying to hit, I think I hit it. I think I knocked it out of the park. I'm busier mm-hmm. than I imagined. We're more successful than I ever thought possible. I I can leave and go uh, on a vacation with my wife if we'd like. She has a nice vehicle. My kids are well-dressed, well-kept. My lights are on. I I think that I hit it. You know, from that now, if it grows bigger than that, if somebody in California hears about BMW excavation, awesome. But if all I do is ever serve with Hillsborough, Peebles, the surrounding area, and people say that I'm a stand up guy, that I'm honest, and that we do good work and my bills are paid, I, I don't I don't know how you could get any bigger. And I really don't. I don't know I don't know that I've ever met somebody, not just on the podcast, but in my life. Uh, when asked about success, uh, who said, I'm there, I made it. It, it, you know, it's human nature to move that target. You, you want something, whatever it is, a car, you get it. And then you're like, ah, but you know, now I can, now I can start working towards this next thing. And that is, that is really refreshing and cool to hear somebody go, yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm just enjoying the success. I got to where I want to be. And here I am. That is that is a viewpoint yeah. I don't think I've ever really heard before. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm some success savant or that I should be writing books or anything like that. But you know, uh, uh, I heard an old guy at Expression. He said, "If you want to be a millionaire overnight," he said, "Write a book about how to be a millionaire and sell a million copies for a dollar." He's like, "You'll be a millionaire." So I think yeah. a lot of times about the how you can go about obtaining the goals. But, you know, I stay very humble and I give a lot of credit uh, where it's due. And I just think that, man, and you can ask my wife, I spent spent hours, and I still do to an extent, Mike, but I spent hours stressing about, oh, I need need more guys, I need more help, I I need to do this, I need to make this number, I want to be able to make $10,000, I'm tired of making $2,000. And when I stepped back and I was like, holy crap, I'm, I made it. When I started BMW Excavation, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. That was my goal. I wanted to make sure my kids were fed and my bills were met. I've done that. We're here. Now, along the way, I've been able to truck up. I've been able to get better equipment and different things like that. And I think that that just comes with the nature of growing. But as far as your success, what else is there? I mean, is there is it a home in Miami? Well, then you need one in the Rockies. And, and oh, if I have a 2023 truck that's a platinum that's worth a hundred thousand, you know, if I keep moving that goal, I'm just going to continue to spend that money. It's like I just see a lot of guys that that are in it for that, and that's fine. But man, what a stress load to have for nothing. I mean, that's just how I view it. I'm proud of those guys, those guys that are humping it, that are making the digital creations, the drones, and and want their name put on lights. But if nobody remembers me and my kids were fed, my wife and I had a good life, I done it, man. I knocked it out of the park. Well, you are uh, unique in that regard, I think, Dave, and that's uh, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I, I know that a lot of people who listen to this show are newer in the business. And part of the reason I started it is because I saw a lot of the same questions coming up over and over and over again from people who are just green starting out. So I always ask this question and it's my favorite one. What would you tell somebody starting out in the business right now? Somebody who's first, first day with their own excavation company is Monday of next week. Uh, what would you tell them? I think if there's any advice I can give, and I, I don't care if you start your estimation company and you're 18 or you're 55, but I think that it is important to start out with realistic goals. Understand that when you go out and buy a $50,000 machine, doesn't mean that you automatically get $100,000 worth of work. That's a, that's a pipe dream. That's social media 101. You can get on YouTube and you see all these guys killing it. Um, that that's not going to happen overnight. Uh, number mm. two, I I just 
I think that it's important to do good work consistently and not venture out of your comfort zone. I I remember uh, being young but having experience. There's going to be some guys that are listening to this that maybe have never done a job where they dug on grade or, or anything like that. Stick to what you know that you can do and deliver a product that will warrant a referral. Don't go out because you think you can make $10,000 and do a half haphazard job and, and and really make a fool of yourself. I, I mm. mean, I see it happen a lot. I mean, just, you know, and so I think with that, if I could tell anybody anything, it's just stay humble and, and stick to what you know and don't be so proud because I've never wrote a check with pride on it. Uh, is is to look back and say, okay, I don't know how to I don't know how to do this. If that's something you want to do, find somebody. I made I made hundreds of calls asking people if I could work on a job with them, show me how to do this, do that, go do work for free, just to obtain knowledge. Uh, because if somebody's willing to let you work for them part time, maybe doing a septic or maybe showing you how to do MSE walls or structural you know footings or anything like that don't take it as an insult if they say well the best thing i can do is teach you to come out and work ten dollars an hour they're giving you a million dollars worth of knowledge mm-hmm. you just have to be humble enough to to take that and run with it um so i think that with that i would just say stay humble and don't be afraid to ask questions and you know mm-hmm. i i think that's it but man you I guess the last thing I'll say is I just see so many guys buy brand new equipment, buy brand new trucks, and then the stuff's for sale in like three years time because they underbid everybody else. They didn't do good work. They didn't do good jobs. And the only thing they really lacked maybe was a little bit of humility. Uh, I, I really, I, I can't emphasize that enough, but, I see so many guys that want their name plastered on that social media. They want their name popped up on the television and all that things. You lose sight of how to be successful one-on-one in the field. They never make it. They just, they just never do. Or they, they get all this equipment and they don't want to go out and work for $300 a day. I can tell you right now, when we started and things were lean, I was working. I would go drill core samples for my cousin i'd go drive a truck i'd go split firewood i'd buy something and fix it up and sell it i'd done whatever had to be done to be successful to be to this point and i spent a lot of early mornings and late nights getting to this because this is what i wanted and mm-hmm. if you go out and spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars and just expect somebody to acknowledge you as a world-renowned excavator it's not going to happen just done well thanks for thanks for your insight dave um is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up i think that uh i think i'm about i'm gonna say i'm talked out i could go on for hours i just i want to say first and foremost um that i appreciate the opportunity of getting to speak with you and i can say uh to anybody listening if you get the opportunity to, to work with mike's uh, whether it be on his business side or the podcasting, um, Mike knows that we don't have a web page or anything like that, but that's something that we want to talk about in the future. Um, you know, it's a great reference. He's a great guy to talk to. And really the work that he's doing, you know, this insight and these perspectives that you're putting out on this podcast where guys can go and listen and it's about really listen and kind of learn different things about what worked for somebody and what didn't work. Um, Mike, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing, just trying to help the excavating community. And I really do say that and mean that uh, with very high regards. I appreciate um, that, Dave. Thank you. That's, uh, that's really kind of you to say. You know, I just think that uh, if there's anything that I can leave anybody with, is is just, and I, I know that I've said it over and over, but, but just stay humble and be thankful. And if you if you're willing to do the work, and uh, and being honest while you do it, I do believe that uh, the sky's the limit. I think that guys need to set a realistic, successful uh, goal, and then 
when they hit that, stop and reflect and figure out what the next step is from there. Um, you know, and then from there, just just take off with it. But I would encourage any young entrepreneur, anybody that's wanting to get into these trades to get into them because we're, uh, you know, and I mean, I was, but in 2010, you know, when I was in high school, 2009, they, they pushed college, 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 need college. And I went with the trades. I went with excavating and digging. I mean, I, I actually, I, I mean, I dropped out of nursing school um, mm. to, to go pursue construction and different things. And I think don't, don't think that, you know, working in the dirt and the mud and your hands is beneath anybody because there's a good living in it. And um, I just think with that, you know, the trades is a is an exploited market that there there continues to be a higher and higher revenue in because there's fewer and fewer guys doing it. You know, I can I can show you people that went to college in our area for computer science or you know whatever they were pushing down our throats in that work at Walmart. There's nothing wrong with working at Walmart, by the way. But I just think that when they sold it to us in in school, it was like, look, get a degree. You'll be successful because you have this piece of paper. And I, now we're 15 years away from that. And it's like, look, now we need more plumbers than we do heart surgeons. That's yep. weird. <laughs> you know? so yeah, it's, I just, but I, I'm of that generation too. I, I graduated in 2002 and it was go to college, go to university, get a degree. And, and I went the other way too. I kind of went into, went into trades work and, it uh, it's interesting now seeing what's at the end of that, right? Because a lot of these older uh, trades people now are retiring, and there's no one to fill fill the gap. And I think that if if there's any lesson that I you know I might share with my kids, it's that you know do what you love first, do something that makes you happy and makes you a living, but also you know consider things that are just always going to be in need. You know, you're always going to need a plumber, a drywall, or a excavation contractors, that type of stuff. Well, and I think that that's, you know, I can say this too is when I was in the trade, you know, I I had I was vested and I was able to retire at 50 pots, you know, which is killer and have a good pension. But when you put things in retrospect, when I was on that job, I had guys that were training me that were 55 and 60 years old, great guys. Mm -hmm instilled a lot of free knowledge into me but i was 27 26 i'd be the youngest guy on the crew and you and i both know how a union works is the generation before takes care of the generation to come you know and when you're standing around you're like look there should be 25 18 year olds ready to go to work and it's like they don't want to work you're like yeah who's going to pay my pension that's a big deal. Um, well, and whatever yeah. guys say to me about the pension, they all retire at 55, retire at 60. I, I usually say the same thing, but you might die at 54. So, yeah, you know, that up. can't, that can't be it. You know, you have to spend your life doing something that you at least enjoy because I've known a few guys who get either just short of that time or a little ways past it and boom heart attack or, or, you know, some other thing happens or they get sick and they can't enjoy life. So it's like, you know, the pensions, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it, but I just, I don't believe in that kind of being the end game, you know, if, especially if you're not enjoying what you're doing. No. And I think that that would be, if there was anything else that I could, could tell anybody uh, going back to, would you give advice, but don't forget to enjoy your success. My wife, if she, um, if she was here, she would tell her, I'm sure she'd tell her by that because I used to stress on making sure we had enough money. And this was my downfall, but I really used to stress on, well, we made it to this point. So I'm not going to spend this money. My wife's like, Hey, what's, what's the point in having this? If we can't take the kids to Myrtle beach, what's the point in working late? If you're going to continue to work Saturday and then, you know, like where does it end? And I really had to step back. I'm, I'm not great at it now. My wife works just as many hours as I do in the house. But, you know, I, I kind of picked up on what you're saying. It's like, hey, why are we able to have this much money, but we can't 
drive anything other than a Cavalier, you know, or we can't take the boys to Myrtle Beach or maybe swerve yeah. on going to dinner. I, I'm not saying you got to go full-fledged and make everybody believe that you're making millions of dollars, but I just think that there's nothing wrong. Don't let anybody tell you that there's wrong anything wrong with enjoying your success. If you if you knock that job out of the park and you budget your money and you have enough money that you want to go for three days to the beach, go three days to the beach. That's what you're doing. That's I I started this company to work for myself so that I have the freedom to do things and enjoy it. And I caught myself the first year not enjoying anything, scared to death. And I sounds to me like we better. Oops, sorry. Yeah, you're good, Mike. I'm, didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just going to say, it sounds to me like we should uh, check in with you in a year or two and uh, get your wife on the next one. <laughs> she can offer that, yeah, that uh, slightly different perspective. Well, and I think that'd be great. But like I said, we'll wrap up. I know we've been on here a while. And like I said, I, I can't appreciate the opportunity enough. And I really hope that this does reach somebody that maybe is concerned about how successful they are or, or maybe – Maybe it just give them a different perspective. And I think that if you're willing to change your mindset uh, and really cancel out the way that culture views success and break it down to the simplest form, mm -hmm. that most guys that are going to listen to this, that are beating themselves up, worrying about if they're going to make it, guys, you've already made it. Don't worry about how many likes you got or anything like that. Look around and realize you made it. If you have more than what you started with and the phone keeps ringing, you're there, man. You might not be on a billboard yet, but you have made it. Awesome. Well, that's it with uh, with Dave. Thank you so much, Dave, for uh, taking the time today. I realize this was a little over an hour out of your day uh, and a good bit of planning to make it happen, uh, courtesy of my uh, issues with uh, time zones. But <laughs> this was great. Uh, there was some good material here. I really appreciate you being on, Dave. I respect your time, so I'm going to let you go and enjoy your day. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Mike, I appreciate it. I look forward to, to working with you in the future. And uh, once the new year gets around, uh, I would like to touch base with you and, and figure out some websites and design and different things like that. Sounds great. Well, we will be in touch on that. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being here. <laughs> this has been the Breaking Ground Podcast. Thank you to everybody listening. We do appreciate you. The show's starting to show some numbers now, so that's really cool. It makes it worth doing. It keeps me motivated to keep up with it. So thanks to everybody who is uh, listening, uh, wherever you are. If you're interested in talking websites or digital marketing, we do work exclusively with excavation contractors and uh, surrounding industries. So you can always feel free to reach out. We're at rankmaster.ca. And either way, we hope to see you in the next episode. Thanks for your time. Cheers.